All right, welcome back to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast, which is empowered by the Black and Gold Podcast Network. You're here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew and James Lindroth. Dad, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing this week, Andrew? Doing pretty good. I'm pretty excited. We're actually recording on Wednesday today. So uh, actually, it's like six o'clock, so we're going to miss a little bit of the Bruins game, but that's okay because we are here today to talk some hockey and some Bruins hockey as well, Dad. And this is episode 17? 17. We're getting wow. closer to episode 20, which will be cool. So today we're going to be talking, of course, about the Boston Bruins and their recent performances and a few players have been standing out or not standing out. Um, we're going to also talk about Jordan Bennington trying to incite a brawl for whatever <laughs> reason. Uh, we're also going to talk about um, the, the recent rumor of the Bruins being in on Nashville's forwards, uh, Forsberg and Raquel. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, Jake DeBrusque and maybe if he should be exposed during the draft and, and save another prospect or something. And then we've got um, a couple of other things too. So dad, let's go ahead and let's just start talking. Um, the Boston Bruins finally bounced back um, the other night after a terrible back-to-back 13 games, I mean, 13 was, goals against the two games, right? Something like and that. And we scored, what, one or two two goals or so? I mean, I don't try to revisit those We, we know the D's, you know, suffering some injuries, but uh, they didn't look good. And maybe, hopefully, it's just one of those, hey, you have a couple bad games, in this case, really bad games for the defense, and they bounce back to where they've been playing at. Let's hope that's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And Obviously, the, the defense struggling, especially on the left side, stood out so much those two games that the Bruins recently required uh, Jared Tenorti, uh, who is from the Nashville Predators, unfortunately has not seen very many NHL games at all. I believe it's less than 100. Um, real tough guy, six foot six, 235, big boy, but um, was definitely a bit of a disappointment coming up to the NHL and didn't really get his chance. Dad, I know you may not know much about him. What are your thoughts on this signing, at least with the type of player that he is? It, it could just be, you know, trying to throw shit against a wall and see if it sticks. It could also be, and we talked about it in previous podcasts, that the Bruins and other NHL teams, but specifically the Bruins, you know, they've been able to take some former vets that have, you know, been considered washed up, put on waivers like Tenorti, and give them a chance. And it's worked well. They've found a nice home particularly if they're the checking type of player like this guy is. Right. He's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and also, too, uh, he's not afraid uh, to stick up for his teammates as well, and he's a heavyweight. He's gone against guys like uh, Wilson um, and, and guys of that character. So, oh, and I almost forgot, he's playing tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him play a little bit and see how he reacts to being yeah. back in the big game, you know? Yep. But I think the Bruins do need, I mean, you know, Frederick Lovell, you know. Scored last game. And and, and Lazan, I mean, you know, they can fight. Clifton can fight too. But we don't have, except for, you know, Frederick, we don't have that tough guy. Yeah, Richie. He's a, he's a heavyweight. He's a heavyweight, yeah, but yeah, I know he doesn't. We actually, we actually need him scoring. What does he get? Seven goals now. Yeah, now he's yeah. So now yeah, we, we need him on the ice now playing. <laughs> so we need uh, a Thornton. We need a Sean Thornton. Yeah, you know we've been missing that for for a while. So hopefully he'll you know be that player that. And let's face it, I think the NHL and and you brought up some of the stats of there's more fighting this year than it was last year. Oh, and, there's, and there's no there's no audience there's no fans right so this is just pure hatred 
and you know motiv- motivation for teams of dropping the gloves. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and the thing is too, before I forget about Tenorti, I already like this guy so much because in order to avoid being placed on the COVID protocol for him traveling to Boston and everything, he drove 17 hours straight to get to Boston. So he was able to go to practice, not have to quarantine. And that, that's amazing right there. I don't know if it was a knee-jerk reaction by the GM of acquiring him off the waivers, if that was a reaction to the 13 goals against in two games, because it was right in, right after that. Right after, yeah. And it's pretty much like we have to do something, seemed to be the reaction. But maybe – you know, they looked at it as, look, it was just coincidence. If somebody comes on the wires that we feel is going to be good for our team and fits a spot that we don't have, we're going to grab them. But it did kind of seem like a, you know, all of a sudden two a terrible, two terrible games for de- for the defense, and now all of a sudden we we get him off of waivers. Right, and of course him being on that bottom pairing with Clifton for tonight. Um, it obviously makes you wonder. I, I don't think it, he was necessarily "quote unquote" replacing Vikaninen because he was already a ninth, tenth defenseman in the depth chart for the Bruins. But you got to imagine. I think Moore's time is about done. And of course, we we say that sometimes with other performances, but this was definitely, like you said, Dad, a, a clear message, a clear indicator that something's got to change. And this I, guy's just a depth piece. I don't think he'll be starting. But you know, I'm not a huge Cassidy fan, but I respect the guy. Yeah, I do but I'm not a big fan of his, of his style of play. I'd like the Bruins to be a little bit more hard nosed than they are. But with that said, I think Cassidy is a classy enough coach that he's pulled more aside and said, look, things don't seem to be working here. And, you know, he's not been playing <clears throat> recently he has only because he has to play him, Correct. but Moore's not making the most of his opportunities. I think that the Bruins and the management told Cassie to say, look, you got to play him. We want you to play him. We need to shop him. I think they're shopping more. And they're going to have to shop him even more, which means they're going to have to play him because uh, who's going to pick him up? That's a terrible contract. There's a lot of term left for him. And he hasn't produced in a few years. I mean, ever since he's been with the Bruins, really, I think maybe his first year he did okay, you know, as the offensive defenseman. But there's the old joke. <clears throat> that uh, the old timers will remember of, you know, you, you know, we traded this guy for a bag of hockey pucks right. and a skate sharpener. And I think at this point, the Bruins are willing to unload him just to save on the money, right. even though they'll have to take a little bit of a cap hit. It's just how much are the Bruins willing to say, okay, we'll cover this contract for him if we trade him for this long, you know, whatever financial arrangement they make out. But I don't think they're just going to dump him as, as cap space. I think the Bruins will have to take on some kind of future payments to him for a while. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Well, and the thing is too, and I feel a bit bad for him. I mean, not really because he's making a lot of money sitting and just practicing, but 2.5 million, right? 2.75. Yep. And I think it's for the next three or four years. The thing is, is apparently he's a very, very popular teammate in the locker room. I mean, yeah, a very popular guy. They all love him there. He, he plays an important part, but it kind of goes back to Char's departure. He's a great leader. He's been the captain since 2005, but at some point you have to let go and you have to make your team better. And can we stop with the, when the Bruins defense plays bad, can we stop with the Chara memes on the social media? 
we're doing just fine without Char. Yeah, Char's not lighting the world on fire. And don't get us wrong, we're big Char fans. And I wanted him to stay. But it's definitely, I think, working out for Boston that Char is not there, especially playing on the top line that Char demanded. Right. And Lausanne's done really well up in that spot. Grizzly wasn't too bad at the beginning of the season, and I think he, he went up there and, and, and swapped with Lausanne. But um, I'm glad that maybe Tenorti's going to just be that little bit of burst of help, uh, help and that spark to not allowing people to get in front of Raskin Halak. There's too much, I think, this year, and maybe it's just me, of running the goalie, really getting into that blue paint and – I just think there's too much of it this season, but maybe it's just yeah. me. Well, and tonight's going to be very interesting too, Dad, or actually at this moment as the game is about to be. Yeah, in, I know. But... Andrew's not happy, but this is the only time we could do this <laughs> No, podcast. yeah, absolutely. But Char will be playing his first game against the Bruins at TD Garden tonight. Yeah, but there's no fans. No, no fans. And unfortunately, too, I don't. I think they're going to postpone the, the thank you thing that they sure, do, which sure. they should, but – um, it's kind of almost disappointing for charges during this time that the one time he's coming back to do this and everything happens to be in the middle of a pandemic when no one's in the stands. So it's kind of, it's nice to be back, but you don't get that energy, that feeling of, wow, back in my city and everything. It's just kind of like weird memories and everything. What, what do you think about that? Dad? What do you think about him coming back and playing? Is, I mean, do you think that there's going to be maybe a bit distraction or do you think he's pretty much like the ultimate professional, you know, how he sells himself to be? Well, I, I don't think there's any distraction when you're playing just because he's a professional and you lock in on your job. But I think it's sort of a, a strange thing to, well, I mean, let's put it this way. When I was a, a high school band director, right now I teach university, but when I was a high school band director, if I stayed at one school for like seven years, eight years, and then I went to another school, and after I went to another school, I went back to the other school I just came from and walked the halls, it is a little strange. It's a strange. And so I'm sure Char is doing that. He's walking the halls. He's saying hi to the same security right, guards yeah. and everybody else in the Zamboni drivers, you know, everybody else is saying hi to everybody. And there might be a little bit of some melancholy feelings there, but pretty much it's, you know, it's like, okay, I've moved on. Right. I'm wearing a different sweater now. Right. Well, the thing is too, I just wondered because he's, you know, such good friends with so many of the Bruins, especially guys like Bergeron and Marchand since the beginning, um, you know, do you think he takes it a bit easier on those guys? Do you think he may not take a, an opportunity to lay the body really well in a vulnerable position, a certain one. I don't think, or... I don't think he's looking to take any cheap shots or anything that would be looked upon as a cheap shot. Meaning I think he's going to be careful with the cross checks in the back by the boards, especially when they've got their back to him. But I think in front of the net, it'll be fair game, you know, and, and, but everybody knows it's like the code in fighting, right? You, right. You know, you're expected to do this. It's part of what it is. So I don't think Char is going to go easy on anybody, but I don't think Char is going to get angry at Bergeron right. and try Maybe to throw him to the ice, you know. Right. But, you know, we, we wish Char well. Um, and, you know, it was, I guess it was more of, you know, his call too to right. leave. Bruins did offer him to stay apparently. And, but Char demanded to be on that first line or first yep. two lines. Yep. So he wanted that ice time. Is he getting the ice time in Washington? Yeah, he's the first pairing with Carlson. Yep. So he's and he getting, wasn't at first, I think. I he's think he getting, he's getting what he wants. I wish him all the best. 
He's a classy player, a classy human being, and uh, but he's also on the opposite team now. It's not it's the first time. And one of our rivalries, too. Yeah, and, you know, for you, I mean, you're kind of young. It's not the first time that we've had somebody that was on the Bruins for a long time, you know, go to another team. Right. Well, it was like watching uh, Sean Thornton when he left the Panthers uh, fight McQuaid. Well, in the game. Think, of us so with, strange. think of us fans with Ray Bork. He was on the team for like 20, 21 years and left. That's true. But anyway, what else we got? So another thing um, for tonight's game, which won't matter about, I do want to talk about this too, Dad, just because of what it may mean for the Bruins for this very near future is Coyle suddenly is now on COVID protocol. And he was at practice today and was confirmed for the lineup, um, which we could only assume, um, which we're still just assuming, of course, at this very moment, that it was a positive test that came back. If it's positive and they know it's positive and they didn't cancel tonight's game, right? then I think we're okay. And that's what I was thinking too, was maybe they did contact Tracer and did something because they've already canceled games day of for COVID protocol. Right, because so. you don't want to get it, you know, have two teams have it now. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that they, they know what they're doing. Oh, one thing I do want to talk about. Yeah. So um, the, whatever you want to call it, the falling on the goalie, for the New York Rangers, oh, Gorgiev, right? Yep. Richie falling on him. So it was pretty interesting. If you remember when we had Bobby Robbins on our podcast, he did talk about that there's certain things about the fighting code and that I didn't know about on the code. And one of them was, look, you know that you've got to answer for something. And part of the code is, I know I have to answer for this. Right. And sometimes, hey, you owe me a fight. Or if you give this to me, I will you have fight at a later. You know, I didn't know that was part of the code. Right. Anyway, clearly, um, Richie fell on Gregoriev, whatever his name is for Rangers, and he was out. And it was not until the end of the game when it was and it was already discussed between that puke Lemieux and Richie of hey, you know you've got to pay for this. Now, Richie could have said, screw you, I'm not fighting. It's at the end of the game, too. But part of the code that I I didn't think about. And when I saw that, I was like, that's what Bobby Robbins was talking about. Yep. So it was already discussed, like, hey, there's two seconds left. You know that I got to go after you, Lemieux to him. You know, you've got to, we've, you've got to answer for that. Yep. Injuring our goalie. Yeah. And Richie was like, you got it. And, and it was like. They drop it in gloves before the puck dropped. Oh, yeah. They didn't, it was already discussed, they already go. designed. So it's just one of those, like, part of the code that I didn't really know about. And it was beautiful because it was, I mean, straight from the book of the code because it was the very end of the game. It was almost like you're watching. You're like, wait, why, why are they doing this? It's the end of the game. Usually if something like that happens, it's a skirmish up against the boards or in front of the net um, or something like that may happen. But that was as clear as day as a respect thing. It was – like you just said, Dad, perfectly. You got to answer it. And Richie did well. He did. He definitely right. did a bit better than Frederick, although Frederick did get jumped in the beginning. Well, Richie didn't let him. That Lemieux fight, yeah. Lemieux jumped Frederick last, whatever, couple weeks ago. And that wasn't very good. But like I told you, like father, like son, Lemieux, his dad, Claude Lemieux, right? Yep. I'm, I'm assuming. <clears throat> yeah. His dad was a cheap shot artist. Yep. So that's what this kid is. Don't get me wrong. If he's on the Bruins, maybe we, you know, he have that Martian agitator, you know, quality about him. Right. But he's a puke. Yep. 
No, absolutely. No, and I like that Richie answered for the bell. It's good to see that we've got another guy. And Richie wasn't afraid of him. Come on. Oh no. Look, dude, Richie's 240 pounds. Yeah, he was like, fine, you wanna you wanna ring the bell? Let's ring the bell. Yeah, Lemieux couldn't get anything on him. So you could almost tell the difference, you know, between him and Frederick, you know, when you compare a true heavyweight to a a kid right. who's coming up in the ranks. Right. Um, well, Dad, we're moving on from brewing stuff now, but okay. we are talking about fighting. I, I still can't get over the fact of Jordan Bennington of St. Louis Blues gets pulled from the game and then does his temper. T- I mean, I, do, I don't even know how to describe it, Dad. I mean, you saw it. He yeah. was, and he's just he, trying to act he, tough to he everybody. Just, he just lost it. And the only thing is you don't know what they said to him before he faked punch or tried to put right. a stick in the face of whoever that was. I forget who it was. Right. I mean, somebody had to have added. So I'm right. sure they're saying something like, you know, have a nice night, you know, go, go back to the minors. I mean, you know, Bennington, I'll, you know, I'll say this is a good goalie, but I just still don't know if he's going to stick around <clears throat> the NHL all the time. Right. Because he came up so fast right. in the St. Louis and I mean, so fast, it was a miracle. Right. I mean, he was almost ECHL bound here in Tulsa. He got assigned here in Tulsa and he refused to come. And a couple months later, he's winning the Stanley <laughs> Cup. Yeah. And he's a number one goalie. Yep. So, um, but clearly he's lost himself right. that game. Yeah. And it reminds me of the old uh, Philadelphia Ron Hextall. Oh, Hextall. And I think Hextall, is he like the new GM of Detroit or something like that? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was very easy for Cam Neely or uh, Lyndon Byers to get underneath his skin in the 80s. So Bennington, I think they're going to have to work with him on. His temper. On control. Right. You know, there was another goalie and he passed away. Um, um, Emery. Yeah, I was just about to bring up Ray Emery. He was kind of a a tough guy. guy. He was yeah. a t- he used to fight anybody, but easily rattled like Bennington. Easily was, rattled. That's so. not good. And you take, I, I don't know if he took a penalty Bennington that game for that. I think he I think he got yeah he got a okay. sportsman. I would I would assume. I mean he he fake punched and pushed. What and I and I'd like to know what um, oh gosh who was the other goalie now I can't remember. Oh oh I don't know Jake Allen left so I don't know who no 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 who the goalie for San Jose that he was big. Dubink. Yeah. Dubink was like, you're 165 pounds, kid. Get off and he was probably like, kid, stop embarrassing yourself. Yeah. That's what he told the interview guy. He, he chirped him and was like, what are you doing? You're 160. Stop trying to act tough. Get off the ice. Right. And, I think, and I think some of these vets are like, look, you know, just get off the ice. Stop embarrassing yourself. Yep. <clears throat> so anyway, I mean, I wish him luck, but I, I, I think the kid came up too fast. Right. And there's a lot of too much expectation. And uh, like you said, J- Jake Allen went to Montreal and, you know, clearly his time was up there and he, and he, you know, he got out of town and Bennington, I think, thought he, he had this thing all sealed and dealed. And it's like, he's de- he definitely doesn't have any confidence he's, issues. He's, that's he's, for sure. He's, he's made that known. He's, he's, strugg- he's struggling this year. Yep, absolutely. But he's not the only one. All right. Next. Um, so let's move on to let's let's talk about the Bruins' interest, according to David uh, Pagnota, that they'd be possibly in on uh, Forsberg and Raquel from uh, the Anaheim Ducks, which I don't think that we really need to look for forwards. I know that we still struggle with the secondary scoring, but we need more help on the defensemen. 
And it also has been confirmed, of course, that they are in the market for a defenseman right now, even though they just picked up the depth signing Tenority, but they're looking for that top pairing guy, I think, like a Ryan Ellis. So we, I, I think it's it's pretty easy that the Bruins are trying to unload DeBrusque. Right. He's struggling. He deserves to play, but I think the Bruins are trying to shop him, and they're having a tough time moving him because nobody wants him. Right. It's not a good time to move him right now because they're, they're not going to get a lot for him. Right. Um, so I think they're kind of looking to shop DeBrusque a little bit. I also think that they're looking to get rid of – Thank God, Bjork. Well, and I have a question. Yeah, and I actually wanted your opinion on this, on, on the topic of, of DeBrus and Bjork and everything. So uh, I saw this discussion on Hockey Twitter earlier today, and it seems as if, uh, you know, the, the, the leash is very, very short for Bjork, right? And it's short for a lot of those other I think guys. I actually think it's long. I think it's very short. I mean, I, I get benched a lot. But here's the thing, Dad. What about DeBrus? When is he going to sit for a game? But DeBrusque is a different player. DeBrusque has proved himself to be a different player and a more valuable player than Bjork. What's Bjork numbers? Yeah, but what's DeBrusque numbers What this was year? his number last year? Come on, though. I mean, DeBrusque is just so hot and cold. He needs something. I, I'm just not saying like he doesn't get in cold, trouble. But you can't compare that Bjork and DeBrusque are on the same level. They're not. So do you think uh, – Benching DeBrus to send a message. Do you think that that would do anything then? No, I think no, because I think they're trying to unload him, and you don't want to. You don't want to be in a position where you're trading somebody that you're willing to bench. So let's hypothetically, Dad. Let's just say DeBrusque, unfortunately, would continue his cold streak. Let's just say that he does. We still re-sign him. I mean, he still stays with the Bruins and everything. So what's going to happen then during the expansion draft? Do you think that the Bruins? would protect him because you got to think what about guys like Richie Kasha, who they're probably going to resign. I think it's going to depend on his performance. If he continues to have a bad season, then maybe they'll expose him because what are they going to get for? Right. Right. And I would hope that they would try and get something for him because losing. And and I don't know if this is on your, on your list or not here, but look at the problems Buffalo's having. They sign these guys they can't unload these guys. Nope. Look at Skinner, man. Who's <laughs> going to take Skinner when he doesn't do anything? The $9 million fourth liner. And see, that's the thing, too. They got to play him on the first, second line, man. They got to give him at least another opportunity to try and produce. I mean, now they're just like, be a grinder. I mean, that's not good coaching, in my, in my opinion, which who am I to say? Well, and, and look at Jack. Echo, right? right. He, he wants out too. Oh man. And, the, so and now, the trade talks are heating up with him as well, but he's not having a good season either. Nope. He hasn't had a, I think he's had one goal or something in 18 games. Or hasn't had one. In so if you're Buffalo bad. GM, you're thinking I'm not going to be here long because that owner's <laughs> going to pull them. Cause you know, and, and I feel bad because these guys produced in the past, but this year it's just not working. And pretty soon you're going to go, is it the coach? Is it, what is it? Well, last year was the same thing. They started out, I think very, very hot at, you know, first 10, 15 games. And then, I mean, it's the same story this season as it was last season for them. It's just so bad. They're going to get rid of Hall, right? He's only got a one-year deal because he's looking for money. Right. He'll be gone. So Buffalo is a, not to change the subject, but Buffalo is kind of in a 
more difficult position than the Bruins trying to move some of their plays. They can't move any of their superstars. I was about to say, at least for the Bruins, we're still sitting in first place in our division and we're just trying to make our team. Better. I think, I think, I think Debrusque is a, is a pure trade move for somebody else that would be on his level. I think Bjork might be a player that's thrown in on a multiplayer deal. Like we'll give you so-and-so and throw in Bjork to get one guy here. Well, I got to say, regardless, I think that Bjork's still, I still have some sort of little faith. I mean, it's, it's, it's known that you and I are not fans of Bjork personally, but I still think that there's just this ceiling that he still has yet to reach with his incredible speed. He's got good hands. Okay. So he's great. How long in the fast paced career of the NHL, how long do we wait for the ceiling to happen? Right. No, I agree. How long do you keep giving it? This is where I'm glad I'm not the GM. Right. And the Bruins are struggling right now with the exception of what? Pasternak? I mean, they're struggling with a lot of first-round picks that still aren't freaking playing full-time with the Bruins. Pasternak? What do you mean? Not playing full-time with the Bruins? No. With the exception of Pasternak. Okay. I thought you said including. I was like, what? No, no. I mean, look at all look at all these players that are supposed to – our first-round picks are supposed to be phenoms and they're supposed to be on the team – and they don't even make the team, or they barely make the team. Right. And I and I hate to be that person to bring up the 2015 draft, but when I watch Barzal just, I mean, that speed and him beating us, shooting those goals that last game we played against him, it was like, and we had, we chose Seneshin in, in the AHL over him. I could use Zaboral and DeBrusque as a example, but now they're in the NHL, so it's not really a fair assessment, but – I don't like to revisit that draft because it's it's six years ago. It's, it's, it's always done. hard to do first round picks. <clears throat> a lot of you expectations know. for them, especially with the NHL. I feel like first round you, picks. You, are like you never you today. never know. You never know where players are going to end up. Remember, we had Ian Kessrick gone here uh, about a month ago. He was talking about uh, um, uh, Doby down there in Dallas. The yeah, goalie, he, was right? he says, I, I, "I was drafted way ahead of him." <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So it's like you never know with draft picks where they're going to end up and how they're going to do everything else. But right, what do we got next, Andrew? Well, the, the other thing uh, that I want to discuss today as well, Dad, is uh, Tortorella, our guy, which if, if fans don't know, we yeah. are huge, huge fans of Tortorella. We, I, I grew up in Tampa, Florida, um, up until about the age of 15, 16, and, uh, of course, Dad, you, you can take it from here. We were big fans of the Lightning back then, and you even went to a cup game in 2004. I, I did. I did. And, you know, and, and we've mentioned on the podcast, uh, Tortorella and I are pen pals. Right. We, we actually uh, communicate with each other on a, on a friendly basis uh, through snail mail right. at least twice a year. Yeah. Nothing major, um, but uh, – it just goes to show you that, uh, you know, my experience with him is that he's a very generous guy. He's very caring about the game. He's very caring about his team and always making it better. And, of course, you know, because he's more of that hot-headed, old-school, hard-nosed coach, you know, that clashes with a lot of – it's easy for him to have media get on his case. Right. And, and the players might not like him but they'll certainly, you know, respect him. But they, they all seem to say he's fair. But anyway, that's the well, our that, assessment on Twitter. Well, while he has our vote of confidence, what I was getting to with this is uh, the general manager finally came out and said 
he has our full um, vote of confidence from uh, myself and the owner and basically said, look, we're not going to touch any of the other coaching staff like the Canadians, which we'll, we'll actually touch that in a second. But he had his full, full faith in him and even said, you know, they've been in terrible spots before and Tort Tortorella and the coaching staff drug him back out of it and did well. Don't forget last year was the last year right before the pause. Yeah. Remember they had, they were dealing with all those injuries, dad, especially Fords. They had an AHL team. Sure. And they were winning games. Yeah. And then the year before that they had gotten however many wins to make it to the wild card, beat the lightning. So Tortorella is the real deal. I mean, has been obviously. So I don't, I know he's that hard old school, hard nosed guy, but you know, people can't be so quick just to kick him out because he's a quote unquote dick to the players. I mean, I don't think that right. that's necessarily the case. Just right. And, and go ahead and look around the, the NHL history on coaches that have been dicks. Right. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, look, uh, where did I just see, by the way, uh, the old Toronto coach? Oh, Babcock. Babcock's now teaching university hockey again. Yep. Yep. He's, he's the coach there now. Because he's just he, he's not going to be in the NHL anymore. Nope. Because players who management respect, because most of management, let's face it, is now former players. Right. And you know, and they know these guys, and they hear some of the bullshit that goes on with someone like him, and you know how he'll destroy some careers of people that he doesn't like. Um, so you have coaches that I think are are kind of bad coaches. And some that are hard nosed, you know, the old Montreal Canadian coach, um, and also in uh, Detroit, uh, uh, Scotty Bowman. I mean, no one's won more cups than him. Right. And all his players would say, "You hate Scotty Bowman, 364 days of the year, but the day you win the Stanley Cup with him, right, <laughs> you love him, right, yeah." And that's, I think, the old school coaching mentality is right. so. Well, I think I think we need it more. I think some of these players have shown their immaturity, uh, greedy little pricks, and they've rose through the ranks without paying a lot of the dues. And, uh, you know, they get a little too high on the hog and they think that, you know, their shit don't stink and that the coaches can't really boss them around <laughs> or this, this and that. And, you know, ask Vinny LeCavier, he was one of those little spoiled pricks back in, in Tampa and he wanted Tortorella gone and Tortorella, you know, said, I'm not going anywhere. Right. And he even said, you know, either the coach goes or I go. And they were like, Vinny, you're going to have to learn how to play hockey. You're only right. 18 years old. Right. And he did. And he turned into a classy, you know, all-star player. And I think coaches have this massive, I mean, fans do with coaches they have this massive expectation and really put a ton of, blame that sometimes I don't think is necessarily should be directed at the coach. I don't always think it's a coaching problem. I know people immediately like to jump to that conclusion. Like for instance, the, the new Canadian coach, he lost his first two games as head coach and it was viral that the hashtag fire, however you pronounce his name yeah. was a thing. And it's like, you know, of course he's not reading that he don't care, but it's just one of those things you look at and you go, you know, I don't necessarily think that it's his fault you know I don't think that the that's up to the players at this point I just think that sometimes fans kind of forget these are professional athletes they can turn around themselves guys need to send messages right. look at the 19 year old Dylan Cousins for Buffalo nobody else is doing anything he's a college kid first round draft pick and he threw down the gloves beat Lindgren up so 
guys need to step up. I don't think it's always the coaches. I mean, do you think? No, I don't think it's blame should all be on them. No, not at all. But you know, in sports, you know, there's a lot of, you know, Monday morning quarterback, you know, coaches out there, you know, sitting there on their couch, like Like we do watching games. Um, But you know, it's really the management knows what's going on because they talk to the players and the you know and hockey's always been served well by the veterans on the team and the veterans that are in the management to know when a coach is doing right and doing wrong by the players. So I think everybody, it's safe to say that there's no renegade coach. Now you could dislike him. There's a lot of people, you know, in the Bruins day that didn't like Don Cherry. I don't think they were Bruins fans. Maybe they were, I was just a kid. But I'm sure there's a lot of people that hate Don Cherry. Hate him today, right? Just because of his attitude and how he talks and treats people in the media. Well, Tortorella's the same way. It's like Billichek, right? Everybody hates Billichek except if you're, you know, on the uh, Patriots right. bandwagon. You know, he doesn't answer questions. You know, moving on. We're moving on to next week, right? Right. Always. Yeah. And Tortorella has that same attitude, like you know. I don't want to break down everything, guys. It is right. what it is. He's not Cassidy. <laughs> Cassidy's got a you know, his notebook and, and pad. Right. And, I mean, and, 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 and Cassidy has a different approach to that. But to me, that doesn't make him a better coach. Right. You know what I mean? But I respect him. I just, you know, to me, the jury's out on Cassidy, whether or not he's a good Bruins coach. I just don't want to see the Bruins head in a direction that. We, the Bruins still have to be the Bruins. You know, the Philadelphia Flyers still at the end of the day have to be the Broad Street Bullies. Right. You know, even though they're not, they they need to have that element in their game. Right. Big bad Bruins. You've got to have that element. Well, and everybody still references to the Bruins that aren't even Bruins fans as the big bad Bruins. Even now, so, I mean, that's who they are. That's who they've been. So they need to keep that up. And, you know, I think that they're getting better at it. I think that they are addressing the need for that with, getting some of these guys. I think that the rookies are stepping up too, dad. I mean, these kids, I I think to answer your question, it's too early of who we're going to expose in the draft. I think it's going to depend upon um, health and production by the end of this year. That's my answer. Would you keep Kasha? Should they keep? I'm not a Kasha fan. I don't think he's done much for the Bruins here. So would it make sense if they protect him? I don't know. You put me on the spot. I don't know. I just, I've been thinking about this a lot and it's been kind of hurting me. I, I, I hope they don't see. I just don't see why he's he hasn't done anything for the Bruins. It's not been a good deal for the Bruins yet. Right. Well, I'm a Trent Frederick fan, so protect him at all costs. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just messing around. Well, so, what else we got? That's that's it on my end, Dad. Unless you got something. Well, I, mean, I I feel bad. I do want to mention. You know, I'm sure everybody knows by now that um, uh, Claude Julian fired from Montreal. It's sad. So, uh, you know, it, they lost to Ottawa twice, and I guess that was it. But I don't know about his health, if, if it was something to do with his health either. So, you know, he had that heart well, surgery. Well, and I was going to say, do you think that that's maybe a big F you that, I mean, he came back from that heart surgery, decided to, although he's very high risk to, to do this, and it's not a bubble concept, he's not protected. I mean, do you think it's kind of like a yikes kind of thing a little bit disrespectful in any way because you can't just keep i mean i get it business is business dad but you can't just keep saying well it's just a hockey decision it's like 
come on. Man. I, th- I, mean, I I don't know. That's I mean, pretty, it, it, we can't assume on this one. But pretty bad. I think uh, he'll get a coaching job if he wants it. If he's healthy enough and he wants it, I think he'll definitely get a coaching job here in the future. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. On the Tulsa ECHL for our Tulsa listeners, uh, Rob Murray, our coach, 900 <clears throat> games as, as wow. coach. And that's and now, is that just for I ECHL? Think that's is that East... professionally? Or... Well, he didn't do any. Is, well, is you mean the AHL? AHL? Yeah. Well, he was never head coach there, right? Yeah, he was, yeah, he was head coach for the Providence Bruins. I thought he was assistant coach. He was that too. Oh, okay. So I didn't know he was also the head coach. Yeah, well. okay. yeah, yeah. He was no. with Cassidy during the time when he was assistant, right? Cassidy was his assistant. Okay. See, I had it backwards. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. Good. We liked we like seeing Rob Murray at the games as coach. We like we like the we do. I haven't I haven't I haven't been able to go to a game, but uh, I'm gonna start going here in the next week or so and yeah. get there. You'll have to come too. Absolutely. I, I I miss watching the hockey, but I think the you know we're we're gonna be okay here with the schedule for the NHL. Mm-hmm. There might be some COVID floating around, but you know more and more people are getting vaccinated and. Um, I don't understand why the players haven't been vaccinated yet, but right, you know, it's not like you can't you you can't buy the vaccine. You know what I mean? It's it's the government's controlling the vaccine right now, so maybe that's why. But right. Well, anyway. and, and Dad, before we go today, I actually do want to say thank you to all of our listeners because, and I didn't tell you this yet, Dad. Um, right before I came up here, I get an email: the Lindroth Hockey Podcast is ranking very well in the United States. Um, so we've talked about, I think, an episode or two ago that we charted and everything and thanking everybody for that. And the charts, you said, comes from everything but Apple Podcasts, right? No, it's I think it includes thing. Apple Podcasts. Well, I don't think it does because um, this is just from our performance in all Apple Podcasts from the past 30 days. Um, we are in the 116th position in under the hockey category in the united states for apple podcasts nice so we've charted and we're our, our goal now i guess is we want to get the top 100 we, well we got as close as 104 right a couple of weeks ago or a month ago and uh yeah i don't know how all that works i tried looking at it but i i you know it's like one week you're 104 and the next week all of a sudden you're down to 160 and then all of a sudden you're off the charts right well it seems like for this and maybe one, that means is... that we suck we don't have enough listeners yeah, now but that's all right well, this one seems hockey, uh, the Apple podcast last 30 days. So maybe it's well, different. So, yeah, well, we'll get off air. Let me look at that email. So, so quick, but we, we want to thank everybody and to, to keep checking us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever yeah. you can listen to it. We Transistor. Hope, we hope you guys continue to enjoy it. And if you want to do, um, you know, if you guys got ideas or something, I want to start taking questions from people. Sure. I've been doing it on our show and stuff. So we're going to be doing some different things with the show here pretty soon, but we're, we're <clears throat> feverishly working on, on an, on our next guest. Yes. So again, we've had Ian Kessrich, a uh, goalie from the AHL ECHL. That was Bobby episode, Robbins. episode 13. Bobby episode Robbins. Uh, yeah. Bobby Robbins coming in here. Of course, the uh, NHL AHL career with yep. the Providence Bruins and the Boston Bruins. And, uh, you know, it's not easy getting guests, but uh, we're going to keep working at it since there's a lot of podcasts out there. Right. But episode 17 we're doing here. So we're getting more credibility. And I think that helps when we approach some uh, 
players or former players that they'll uh, jump on here and right. we'll continue to ask fan base questions. And right. I think that's our, our goal is, you know, we get our guests on here. It's what would I like to know as a fan and not be afraid to ask dumb questions because they end up not being dumb. They're just like, you know what? No one's ever asked me that. Here's right. what I think. Exactly. So uh, that's our plan. And we do want to thank you guys very much. And do give us a, um, a good review and a five stars or whatever it is on Apple podcast, but everywhere else you don't, you don't. Yeah. I don't think, oh, I don't you think can, so. you can subscribe. subscribe. Yeah. Please you subscribe, subscribe to us because that helps us out as well. And uh, you know, maybe we'll get to uh, some of our black and gold hockey podcast, fellow podcasters in our network here. They ch- seem to chart all the time. Yeah, no, they do very well and so, check them all out as well. Absolutely. I think black and gold podcast network, including us, we got like, eight maybe now half dozen eight so there's a bunch of shows and they're all great i love all my teammates at black and gold Uh, so andrew and i do it as a father and son duo we think that's a little bit unique we haven't really found anybody to do that and we bring a a, two different perspectives to to the talk as well i mean even though i I like the old school stuff as well we try and keep it balanced in the way that we view things from our perspective when we talk hockey and we'll be talking more Bruins history as well absolutely Um, I just got to get in there and do a little bit of research it's been a crazy last month we are teachers during a pandemic so it's right our schedule especially now this semester is crazy so yeah you think teachers aren't doing anything no they're doing a lot yeah too much to be honest so trying to navigate zoom and teach and everything else but (laughs) yeah and I teach drums to four and five year olds during the morning so god bless you Well, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, Bruins game is on right now, so go Bruins, and we'll see you all next week. Take care. Thank you.